1: line of the fourth born child of the hated wife and he's born in a humble stable in a manger and it's just so like our God to pick the weak
0: You're listening to the No More Perfect Podcast, where we talk about strengthening the relationships that mean the most to you. I'm Jill Savage, and I live in normal Illinois. I'm committed to talking honestly about the messy, less than perfect, but normal stuff of life. I'm so glad you've joined me. Well, hello, friends, and welcome back to the No More Perfect Podcast. So are you wanting to make Christmas really special this year? You know, when we want to do that, we often think it means giving special gifts or gathering the family in a certain way or even decorating with intentionality. But what if making Christmas really special wasn't something that you did externally but rather internally. Like, what if you took your heart on a journey to see Christmas through new eyes? I asked Oceana Fleiss to join me today so that we could invite you on that journey. Oceana is a wife, a mom, and author of multiple books, including her Christmas devotional titled Awaiting the Manger. My prayer is that today's conversation will deepen Christmas for you. Welcome to the No More Perfect Podcast, Oceana.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Yeah. So uh, tell us, for those that don't know you, tell us a little bit about who you are, where do you live, what season of life are you in?
1: Hmm. Well, I um, I live in Washington State in a smaller, was growing, but a small town up there uh, surrounded by beautiful Uh, cedar trees and maple trees that are amazing right now with the the changing of the seasons and everything and we get a lot of beautiful sunshine um throughout i mean we get a lot of rain because that's where we are but when the sun breaks through it's just so amazing up here um and i'm a mom of four and uh all but one have moved out so one just moved out um about uh, two weeks ago. Ooh. So I'm kind of going through that grieving process and that surreal feeling of like, he's not in his room, you know? Um, and that's just, uh, it's good. It's a great blessing too, though. Um, my youngest is still home. She's a senior in high school. So we're going through that process with her. And um, I'm an author, like you said, and a wife, and just love the outdoors.
0: I love that. Yeah, I love the outdoors too. And um, so do you have mountain views where you're at?
1: Um, I live right on the edge of a uh, forest and just a short walk to a lake. And -hmm. if you walk down to the lake, you can see the, the mountain from there. Wow. Uh, It reflects onto the lake and it's just like a five minute walk. And yeah, we really love our mountains up here.
0: Uh, I love the mountains and I'm way overdue for a mountain visit. So um, I'm totally jealous right now, but that's okay. I'll get (laughs) over it. (laughs) So one of the things you told me is that the first time you were actually published was in the Hearts at Home magazine.
1: Yes, that's right. Many years ago, I was so excited. It's just a short little devotional on Habakkuk. (laughs) I just wrote it. I sent it in with a prayer, and I was so excited when I got that back that it was published, and I still have it in a file. It's so awesome.
0: I love that. (laughs) Yes, that Hearts at Home magazine honestly launched a lot of different people and um, hearts at home in general there's quite a few um authors that have um they their first book was published through hearts at home and now they've gone on to write multiple books so it's so fun when they get to meet somebody that had a little bit of a beginning there uh, for those of you that are listening that aren't familiar with hearts at home it was a ministry that I led for moms for 24 years and we did large mom conferences, but we also had a magazine and other resources. And so that's so fun, Oceana. Now, before we jump into talking about Christmas, you actually have a unique story that you wrote about in your memoir that's titled Love Like There's No Tomorrow. And while I know we could actually do a whole conversation on this, we're not going to have the time for that, but could you give us a bird's eye view of that story.
1: Sure. Absolutely. Um, it was about, um, it's been 12 years now and, um, my kids were little, I was really busy. We were struggling. Uh, our family was struggling financially and, um, I was working really hard at, at my editing job and just so busy and so overwhelmed. And I prayed that <laughs> You know, when you pray, you never know how God's going to answer. I I prayed that God would give me rest because I was so overwhelmed and so exhausted. And he did do that by uh, one night. My husband and I were in bed. Uh, We were just watching TV. It was later than normal that we're up. And all of a sudden, uh, I started gasping for air. My hands were curled up I couldn't breathe and my husband was freaking out and didn't know what to do eventually I stopped moving altogether um my son heard my husband calling my name and came into the room um brought the cordless phone because we didn't have a phone right there my son went and got he was 11 at the time he went and got the phone my husband called nine one one gave me chest compressions, and those chest compressions are what kept me alive. Um, uh, Otherwise, if he hadn't been there, I wouldn't have had any chance of survival. And so um, during that time, my husband or my son, um, it was scaring him. So he went downstairs and was just wandering around the house. Just, oh, it still chokes me up after all these years, just saying the Psalm 23 that he had memorized in wow. Sunday school and just praying that God would save mom. And um and the uh the paramedics came and uh they did a defibrillator and it didn't work the first time. And that's when my husband really kind of lost it. You know, he was like, Oh, she's she's gone, I'm not gonna get her back. But they did it again. <laughs> they don't do it just once. They did it again. And the second time it worked. And um, But I, I was still in a coma. Um, but on the monitor, they could see my heart move was pumping again. So they took me. I was in the hospital just for four days. I was in a coma for about a day and a half. And, um, and I woke up. And they thought I might. They were worried about brain damage because the oxygen not getting to my brain. But... Um, I woke up by God's grace. I mean, people were praying for me all over the world, really through the internet. And um, by his grace, he, he brought me back to be a mom to my kids. And the time after that, the recovery time I never felt God's love more than I did during those those weeks and months after that it it just felt so close to me so dear to me and it just reorganized my priorities
0: Uh. you know all this
1: crazy busyness all this stress I was feeling and It was coming through to my kids and my husband Um, that just was leveled out. You know, I couldn't do all that stuff. All I could do was like fold socks, you know, and so, but I learned to be grateful for it, for those little things and find my purpose more in Christ and his life through me to my family and to others. So it was really a time that I'm actually very grateful for because it changed me.
0: Right. So was it actually a heart attack?
1: Um it was a cardiac arrest which is a gotcha. little
0: different than a than a heart attack. Gotcha. But, yeah. So the title of your memoir Love Like There's No Tomorrow really I mean it's just a reminder that I mean we're not promised tomorrow are we and right. that we really um that you know we re- really need to love well today. So I have not read your memoir but I am intrigued by it so It will be on my list now that I just recently learned that it existed. So um, thank you for sharing that. So let's turn the corner to Christmas. And you have, you've spent some time um, really looking at Christmas, but interestingly enough, you looked at it through the eyes of the Old Testament, which usually we look at Christmas through the eyes of the New Testament, which is when Jesus was born, right? Um, so first, what prompted you to spend time looking at the Old Testament for the christmas story and ultimately prompting you to put it into a book format. Well,
1: that's a great question. Um several years ago, maybe 20 or so years ago, um well even before that, I had I was not I did grow up in the church. Um my family wasn't I should say christian. I did grow up in the church though because a friend invited me to church when I was in 3rd grade. Wow. And through that Sunday school teacher, I prayed to accept Jesus. So I just always try to do a shout out to Sunday school teachers. They're so, so important. Changed my eternity forever. Wow. Um, And um, But as the years went on and I got into junior high and high school, um, I kind of got involved in a group that was very legalistic. And um, I didn't really understand the Bible very much. And a lot of the stories just kind of, especially Old Testament stories, they just seemed, you know, like rules to follow or Mm. examples to follow. And I, I couldn't, I couldn't be like them. And it was just, so I kind of sank into despair and it Mm -hmm. was around in my twenties that, um, that a friend of mine, praise God for her. She, she showed me in Luke 24 The story of um, Jesus after his resurrection, he's walking with these two men um, on the road to Emmaus, it's called, that story's called, and he was walking on a road with them and they didn't recognize him. And um, toward the end of that story, he opens up the scriptures and here's, it says Luke 24, 27. Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Mm. And she said, what's Moses and the prophets? That's the whole Old Testament. And Jesus himself is going through the Old Testament and saying, it's about him. It's about me. You know, and there's other passages. That's not the only one. And that just blew my mind. I had never heard that before. And I was so excited to hear that. And it really just sparked something in me that has lasted, you know, I think my whole life it's going to last. So when I studied the Old Testament, I, I it changed the way I look at it. And it, I can look for the story of redemption. I can look for Jesus in the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. which is so awesome and so um fast forward a little a few years after i had my kids i started homeschooling and um i started teaching at our homeschool co-op and i ended up teaching bible to junior hires or middle schoolers (laughs) for well it's been i'm still teaching um teaching uh, middle schoolers it's been i think 16 years now wow and going through Yeah. So when you teach something, it becomes, you know, you learn it more than you normally do.
0: Yep. For sure.
1: And so after all these years, uh, I just kind of, I don't really know where the exact moment is that I said about Advent. You know, I think it just kind of slowly, I I just kind of slowly thought, hmm, I wonder if these Old Testament stories, um, if there's enough, if it's really about Jesus, I bet it's about his birth too and so I started taking notes I mean years and years ago taking notes writing little devotionals starting to just write it out get ideas and and I kept praying Lord is this a book for me to write and he kept I felt like he kept saying yes (laughs) I kept saying are you sure and um and so I kept at it and um he just blessed me with the opportunity to put it all together in a book
0: I love that. So let's first, um, let's first define what Advent is because some people listening may not have an understanding of what it is. You know, I grew up in a denomination that celebrated Advent, but the church my husband and I now attend doesn't really use that term. So can you explain it to make sure that everybody understands exactly what it is?
1: Sure. So Advent is just the, um, Well, historically, it's just the first four Sundays before, um, before Christmas, Uh and they call it the first advent The when he came to earth the first time, they call it the first advent um, of his coming. So um, it's just been a tradition um, for many, many years of just focusing our hearts um, and our minds on what's really important during those, those weeks before Christmas. Mm -hmm. So I just think it's a lovely way to remember who we're really worshiping and focusing on um, when it's really easy to get distracted during those weeks.
0: Mm -hmm. Right. Oh, it is. And we, I mean, we start making it about things other than what it really is. So Advent is the, it starts four Sundays before Christmas. Is that what you said?
1: Yes, yes, and so it's not always the same date every year. So this year right. it starts on December third, but my book actually is twenty five days. So you want to start on <laughs> December first, um, even though officially Advent starts on the the Sunday after that. So
0: gotcha. Okay. Yeah, that's great. And I, it is on my list. I have it and I am ready to start reading that. So I am really, really, and I've already took a sneak peek at it. So, um, <laughs> super excited about that. Um, so. Has your family always, you know, a lot of families will do an Advent calendar, right? Which is where, you know, mm-hmm. you're opening up something. It's it's a countdown to Christmas. But mm-hmm. has your family ever done anything like some Advent traditions or anything like that that really means something to you guys?
1: You know, the, the simple, the, it's just such a simple process. For, for my family, really, we would just, um, you know, it gets dark so early. So it's kind of fun to turn off the lights in the house and mm-hmm. light a candle, just any candle. We have an Advent wreath that we light on Christmas on on those Sundays. Mm-hmm. So an Advent wreath is like a wreath that sits sits on your table. Yep, it's not on the wall kind of wreath, right? And it has the four candles that you can light for each Sunday. But and we always did that, so that's part of it. Mm-hmm. But just every day during Advent, we would just sit around with our little kids, light a candle, and we had a little um, stapled together little Advent book that had some scriptures and and a hymn, and we would just read it to our kids and sing sing a little carol, and just just that's it, just super simple. Don't don't mm-hmm. have to make everything super complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, but that just the scripture and the candle and the song really helped us to remember what it was about.
0: Mm -hmm. So if you have little ones at home, you know, there's just some some simple little things you can do for Advent. If you are an empty nester um, and, you know, you can still have that Advent wreath if you want. We don't have that. um, But sometimes doing something special during the Advent season, like your devotional or digging in and looking at the real, you know, I know we overuse this phrase, but the real reason for the season Mm -hmm. Right, Mm -hmm. um, is I think is really important. So, in your devotional, you look at you look at Old Testament characters, different people in the Old Testament, Ruth, Leah, different uh people in the Old Testament, and then you really begin to um help us understand how it fits into the advent season so can you share maybe one of your days and like how that brings the old testament to life what what's one of your favorites
1: i'd I'd be happy to um definitely like you mentioned is um one of my very favorite stories is um leah she's so tragic and um it's just so amazing how compassionate and loving god was to her so Um, Leah is the um, the one who was married to Jacob she wasn't Jacob's first choice which I just can't imagine um, being married to somebody and knowing that you weren't the first choice and it was his her sister Rachel that he loved so much for Rachel and and yet here is Leah it it even uses this term that um, God sees that that Rachel or that Leah was hated by Jacob. And I think that just means in comparison, I don't know that he despised her, but there's there's just this definite feeling that she's not the chosen wife. She's not the blessed loved, beloved wife.
0: And back then, they arranged marriages, so that's why she's married to Jacob, because that was the arrangement, but it wasn't who he loved.
1: Right, exactly. It was arranged by their father, by Mm -hmm. Rachel and Leah's father, and he he tricked um, Jacob into having to marry her. She was the oldest one, and he used that as an excuse, which has actually got a whole bunch of background to that, too. But, (laughs) yeah, so she's just desperate to be loved, you just see her story and you see this desire for that. She, she wants to be loved. She wants the love of her husband. She's got that hole in her heart and she's trying to fill it with her husband's love. And so she cries out to God, if I could just have a child, you know, Mm -hmm. if I could just have a child and I know my husband would love me if I could just have a child and God so graciously gives her a child. And, Another child and another child, but she still is not feeling like Jacob loves her. He still doesn't love her. And she's still not the chosen wife, even though she has these three beautiful sons now. And so when the fourth son comes, it's almost like you feel this kind of she's at the end of her rope. You you get this sense of this desperation has just grown and grown. And why, Lord, why hasn't my husband loved me? Why can't I ever feel loved? And she seems like she's just hit rock bottom. And then she has the fourth child, whose name is Judah. And Judah means praise. And all of a sudden it says, and she named him Judah because now she would praise the Lord. And you just see this transformation in her that instead of looking to her husband to fulfill this emptiness in her, she's looking to the Lord now. Now I will praise the Lord. Now, whatever happens, even if I'm not loved by my husband, I'm going to be loved by God. And that's where I'm going to find my love and hope. And the interesting thing that God is so, so amazing is that Judah is the fourth born child. He doesn't. Um, So he's not the firstborn, which is usually the one that's the most honored and that gets the birthright and all the, you know, um, inheritance and everything. He's the fourthborn. The first three are disqualified for different reasons. And he becomes the greatest of all of the sons of Jacob. And he becomes the one who is the the whole southern kingdom. When Israel gets split into two kingdoms, the southern kingdom is named Judah. And even more exciting than that is the Messiah, Jesus, is from his line. So Jesus comes from the line of the fourthborn child of the hated wife, and he's born in a humble stable, in a manger, and it's just so like our God to pick the weak, right? In our weakness, we're made strong, right? In, In the weakness, he comes and he loves Leah. And he comes through the fourth born son of a hated wife and to, to a humble stable where we can learn. So what does that mean to us? We sometimes feel like we're the hated wife or we're not always loved or we're broken and weak. The things in our lives might be bringing us down and battering us. But we know that our our Lord comes to us just like he came to Leah.
0: Oh, that's so beautiful, and I love how you pulled that out, and it does, it applies to us, and think of how many times we do the, well, if only I, if only this happens, if only, we do that all the time, right? So, we're searching, but it comes up empty, and we see that in Leah's life, until she actually begins to live for the audience of one mm-hmm. instead of for that audience of her husband that she longed for. And then God fills that longing. So beautiful. Absolutely. I love yeah. that. Thank you for sharing that. Okay. We have to talk about Ruth. We have to talk about Ruth too. So tell, <laughs> talk talk about as you as you dug into this, Talk about what you discovered about Ruth. Tell people who Ruth was, because some people may not know. And then what did you discover as it related to Jesus's birth as uh, with Ruth?
1: Oh, Ruth is so great. I'm so glad you mentioned that. So there's Naomi. Um, she's Ruth's mother-in-law. And her and her husband, um, there's a famine in Bethlehem. Um, Bethlehem means city of bread. So it's kind of an ironic thing. There's no bread in the city of bread. So they go east out of Bethlehem into uh, Moab, which is a country um, that's actually enemy of Israel. And they live there many years. They have three sons. And then tragically, Naomi's husband and those three sons all die. Hmm. And she's left alone there in moab away from home far away from home and she's got her daughters-in-law uh well one of the daughters-in-law decides to stay in moab um but um naomi decides to go back to uh, bethlehem israel i mean bethlehem alone right <laughs> reminds mm-hmm. us of, of advent but She decides to go back to Bethlehem and Ruth says, where you go, I will go. Your God will be my God.
0: Ruth is her daughter-in-law. And yes, yes, that is says, "Okay, I'm going to go with you. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go with you and your God is going to be my God. And so we see this faithfulness, this kind of conversion of Ruth from the gods of Moab to the the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Right. Yes. to To Naomi's God, to the true God. And so they go back to uh, Bethlehem and I won't go into all the details, but she, um, Ruth ends up meeting um, a man named Boaz and they get married and they have a baby. And so the thing that really strikes me about, about this story, um, I mean, there's so much, but what I focused on in the book, (laughs) because you could go on and on, um, is Naomi. I, I, In fact, I think the chapter is named after Naomi. I think it's called Naomi's Child because the focus is that Naomi has lost her inheritance. Naomi doesn't have children anymore. In a sense, her womb is barren. She's become barren in a sense, right? right. She had these children. She's desolate and barren. She has no hope. Um, there's no one to take care of her. She, she calls herself Mara, which means bitter, she's bitter and she's God has rejected me, you know, she's like, why did he let this happen to me? And as you go through the story, um, through a lot of amazing events, um, God's providence bringing Ruth and Boaz together at the end, when, when Ruth has the baby, it's the the women in the town, it says gather together and they say Naomi has a son, which Mm. is Ruth's son, but they say Naomi does. And we just see uh, the blessing of a baby, what it means to have a child to a lonely, desperate, bitter woman. And Jesus came to us as a baby and we are the ones that are we're bitter. We're lonely and desperate. He saw his lonely, desperate people, and he came as a child, as a blessing of the gift of a child to us and gave that blessing to us so that we could turn our, our bitterness, our Mara, into joy and pleasantness, which Naomi means pleasant. So we see this kind of change in Naomi, and we can see it in ourselves as well.
0: Oh, Yeah. Oh that's beautiful. And even making the connection like you said in the beginning to you know we tend to think of Bethlehem only as the birthplace of Jesus. We don't mm-hmm. think about it as oh wait 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 it was mentioned in the Old Testament and it's a part of the story of Ruth and all of that. I mean there's just so many intricacies to mm-hmm. to God's story and to how God was weaving this together before Jesus ever came to earth.
1: Yeah, it's so exciting. That's what gets me so excited. There's uh, Micah where it's prophesied that he would be born in Bethlehem. I mean, way back in some obscure little book of Micah, we find that God tells us that he's going to be born in Bethlehem. It's just incredible how it weaves together. That's why it's gets me so
0: excited i know i know <laughs> and you come alive talking about this i love it Oh <laughs> uh, yeah I, and you know one of, i mean you you've written uh in fact you you've co-authored with my friend trisha goyer uh three historical novels right um and um so historical fiction and uh so you are a natural researcher And so you really love to bring biblical, cultural, and historical insights into this to help us to really capture the picture and an understanding of it. So thank you. This has been such a rich conversation, and I have no doubt um, that uh, already uh, people are thinking about Christmas Differently, just based upon the few stories that you shared today. So thank you, Oceana. Uh, where's the best place for people to connect with you?
1: Oh, you can find me on Instagram or Facebook, or I also have a website, oceana.com. But just those, those are the main places.
0: Okay, and we'll put a link to that in the show notes. We'll put a link to that in the show notes and uh, a link to the book as well. Uh, The title of the Christmas devotional is Awaiting the Manger, and the subtitle is Whispers of Advent in the Old Testament. So um, we'll put a link to that in there as well. So, Oceana, would you be willing to pray for our listeners uh, as we bring this to a close?
1: I would be happy to. um, Maybe I'll read one of the prayers that's in my book. I would love it. Thank you, sovereign God, that you don't allow anything to block my path that could keep you from directing my ways. When physical, emotional, or spiritual dangers encircle me, draw me into your protection comfort me with the knowledge of your
0: all-powerful and eternally loving care amen thanks for joining me today on the no more perfect podcast if you haven't already make sure you subscribe and follow so you don't miss any future conversations you can find the show notes and links to anything we talked about over on jillsavage.org slash podcast i hang out on facebook and instagram and would love to connect with you there you can find me under the name JillSavage.author. One more thing. We have 3 free ebooks that we'd love to give you. You can find them at jillsavage.org/free. See you next week where we'll have another conversation about the real stuff of life and relationships.